Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hi, welcome to our second podcast for Med Family. We are going to try to stick to the same general template that we had before. We're talking about our week, talking about what's coming up in the week, and then what we've done on our journey, kind of a side piece is what what we've been doing on our journey to be medical family, a medical student, family tagging along, again, joined with my lovely wife, Karen, who's, um, ho- of course, hosting this podcast with me. You can say hi. If hi. You want. <laughs> <laughs> we spent the week kind of getting this up and running, yes. editing. And I think we're going to try and get Instagram going for it. So MedFamily MD. Yeah, we're kind of dividing and conquering. I, I have a little bit more fun working on the editing and cutting out all the dead spaces and all the ums and the ands and the so's. Uh, try to make it seem like we know what we're doing here. But we're not a very professional operation, obviously. So we spent a little bit of time doing a lot of editing over the weekend to post our first podcast, got everything set up on the podcast hosting site, so iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And we even got the hosting done for the website. We got basically all the kind of the back. The intro, all that stuff. So we'll see. (laughs) And then part of this process of getting the podcast going, we've been toying tossing different ideas around of different things we wanted to do, different things that we like doing, different topics that, because as much as we are a family and we're in medical school and we're very interested in medicine, there are, of course, other topics that very much interest us or are, I think, related to family growth and whatnot. And we always want to try to stay as close to brand as we can, as we're kind of figuring out what this brand is. But so that was part of one of the experiments we experiences we had over the weekend was trying to invite people that we thought might have good stories and to talk about some of those stories so we can bring extra content that might be interesting and thought-provoking. And sometimes when you do that, you kind of run into this... Uh, issue where they like to give you advice uh, when you, they haven't really asked about what you're actually doing or they haven't expressed any sort of level of curiosity and it's one of those very frustrating things one of those things that kind of drives me up a wall it's when somebody gives you unsolicited advice to completely alter and change course and direction of what you're doing and in this case it was more of a just don't do anything that you're doing and just have like a a small men's group to bounce these ideas off of and and really not engage in a wider audience or a wider discussion on the topic so that was it's always a little frustrating um i think with that this kind of just one of those lessons I, I i always feel like curiosity is one of those lost arts a lot of times we can feel like we know what the other person is thinking or doing and it's something that we've struggled with as actually a younger couple when we were back in Washington and the group that we were with while they were very supportive in many things that we struggled a lot with breaking out of the mold of the young couple that 
needed advice or needed help, and I kind of feel like... We're still kind of seen that way. <laughs> well, yeah, we're seen like that way by the group still, and instead of being, having maybe a little bit of curiosity and asking questions, they some of these some people might assume that we have certain motives or certain... They, they just assume an end to what we've been talking about, and they just offer advice, and it can be very frustrating, can be very off-putting. One of those, I guess, motivators for me a lot of times is to to hear some advice that I don't like or that's rather discouraging and to try to go kind of the opposite direction. It's not, not meant to be as a contrarian mentality, but it's, I, I don't, I, I like little battles. I like to kind of debate and fight my way through certain things. If I, I like to, I guess, be an underdog in some ways. Yeah, well, and you'll, I, I feel like every, well, I feel like I've gotten this a lot where people think that they know like what I'm going through as the spouse of somebody who's in school when I don't think anybody has a realistic idea of what you're going through until they have gone through something similar. I mean, Eric's gone from 7.30 till about 7 at night, 6.45 at night, and that's Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, he's that's our family day. We've carved that out. But I don't think a lot of people had any idea what that was like to be alone with four kids and it be well you got sometimes you get you get the impression especially when we were on the island that it was well you're hanging out on the beach the kids are playing in the water and you're constantly you're just too busy you'd be too busy to have a conversation with yeah and so um, why bother my tan. like i don't know i don't know where they're coming from because i don't know if you've ever tried taking four kids mm-hmm. And when we first moved to the island, it was four kids, four and under, five and under. Five and under, that's right. Five and under to the beach. I mean, I'm not doing that on my own. Somebody's going to drown. Like, <laughs> You remember that one time we went, was we actually went with a few people, and like one of them kind of was playing like a shark monster with our oldest child, and they were slowly like drifting to the, the like, yeah, 100, like 100 yards away from the rest of the group down the beach and then at some point i think our oldest son just turned and ran like just straight down the beach and like sometimes you you run across friends and whatnot and if you're if you're a married person with a child you might understand this where people don't always understand if you if you let someone's kid just run away you should probably maybe help (laughs) like maybe you should chase after them or some, you know, do something. I like, there's but many times where our kids have like, because they're small and they can zigzag their way through a crowd faster than we can, and it's like, please, someone just stop them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the point is, is that a lot of times you'll get you'll get outside opinion, whether it be on parenting, on med school, on how you should study, on how you should approach not having time with your husband, all of those things. And you just kind of have to realize that, well, their advice is coming from a good place, but they just don't understand. And that's fine. I did, I did, it was kind of interesting about, what, two terms in was when the pandemic hit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, about middle Uh, of second term. And there was a Marco Polo group going for uh, a lot of the ladies that I was friends with back in the States. And just their not being able to like have any contact with their friends this outside of this Marco Polo group they were just having a really rough time of it and I'm sitting there I'm like don't you realize this is what I have been through like the last eight months like 
but they just couldn't it, they couldn't fathom it until it got taken away from them kind of so yeah so i guess the broader point is at least as far as our experience on the island was to get you a smaller kind of a niche group of women or people you related to that you could actually talk to and that whether that was the people on the island or that was friends from back home that actually wanted to hear your story and wanted to hear how you were doing because you can have a lot of friends that are just happy to have you listen to them talk about their problems and maybe not as keen on listening to you talk about your problems but you found you finally kind of figured out a niche of people that would support you because uh I, I mean, I, I was busy in school, and it's kind of the kind of like the working spouse versus the stay-at-home spouse, where the working spouse gets to go to the office and have office conversations with all the adults, and the stay-at-home spouse is at home listening to the kids babble, and then <laughs> the only real adult time is when the working spouse comes home. And so in this, in this, at least in this situation, it was I would come home from med, you know from studying, and you'd want to we, we would talk and. We never had an issue, I guess, talking per se, but no. sometimes it's nice to have a little extra, a little extra adult time uh, where you could have a ladies' night via Zoom because that, you know, it's during the pandemic, so everyone, the Zoom was all the rage, so. <laughs> yeah, just find your outlets. Find your outlets and find, I, I will say, being a family in medical school there are very few and those that are seem or at least in our experience seem to have bonded together relatively quickly because there are they are people that know what you're going through or that can relate to certain things that you are going through but the the thing with that is depending on where you are in med school the families come and go right because you have your, for us, you have your almost two years on the island and then you come to Georgia and you do your clerkships and then you do, you can have your... You have electives. And your electives that you can take other places and then you have your residency. So you're going to be moving around so you may not always be in the same place at the same time, but at least you have that little community that you're kind of just dropped into to some extent, which was nice. But again, those those people come and go as they move around. Yeah, and... I think it just kind of, uh, I, I think I started on talking about working on special projects for this particular podcast to kind of create more content and kind of being dis- and being disappointed by certain requests. Uh, my, I had put a request from a couple people I knew to, to give maybe some insight to some of their experiences and to be kind of met with unsolicited advice on how I should be running this particular podcast or if I should even be bothering with this. And I mean, time will tell whether this is a, a worthwhile endeavor. But I, I think this kind of led a little bit into uh, maybe another topic we wanted to kind of touch on, where people are coming and going. You, you your sweat structure is going to be kind of shifting, very kind of fluid. Yeah, very fluid. And so we actually had a kind of a sit down meeting with a dean, a former dean of a different medical school, because he had relationship with our present dean of our medical school and his wife. And it was something I, I, I tried to help uh, coordinate with our dean because I thought it was important for couples to kind of have a, maybe a little bit of insight as to what medical school and education would do to marriages. And so that was one of those uh, opportunities we had to talk to somebody and get some insight on maybe how to be successful and thrive as a couple. And I, I think, Karen, you had written some notes down. As yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what they said was no surprise I guess like to make time for the two of you because 
you are your, you, you, you travel together, you are each other's support and to focus on the positive. Like those were some things that they stressed a lot, but they offered some good insight on other things like your reputation follows you. The, the medical, medical community is small. There's always somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows you. And so just be careful with your reputation because it, it, gets built up quickly and it can be destroyed just as quickly. Yeah, and the other thing that she had mentioned, so it was a husband and a wife and the husband was was a doctor and she worked on the admin side of things and she had talked about how her husband saw staff differently than she did and they got different faces of the staff because as admin, you, like you hear all the rumors, you, you kind of hear people's true colors a little bit, whereas the doctor, they're just going, they're going to present a good face to you because you're the doctor and like, they don't want to. And I can kind of relate to off. that yeah. because when I was, uh, when I was working, I worked as a surgery coordinator back in Washington and for a large portion of that job, I actually sat in the back with the doctors. So the doctors would have their own desks, their own offices. And I sat with one of the sports medicine doctors and it was pretty wonderful. Like I, there was never a medical assistant drama. Like, and I'm not trying to, not, not all medical assistants have drama, but inevitably there's always a little bit of an office conflict but the doctor's offices were kind of it felt like kind of sacred ground where they didn't bring that into the doctor's office and so it was really nice working in that office because I never had to deal with it whereas there were a couple years where I was sitting out in the main quad where all the medical assistants would do most of their work. And so during that period of time, I got to be a little bit more exposed to what medical assistants kind of deal with and then what kind of baggage might be brought along with, with that. I mean, obviously doctors have also drama as well. It's not like doctors have it all together. We don't, we're not, we're not perfect, but. You're human too, <laughs> but just be aware that people People present themselves to you a certain way because of the title that you have. And she said it was it was interesting for her when they were all talking about their perspective jobs or whatnot and their different perspectives on fellow coworkers. What else did she say? She said... Isn't um, there something she said about not hating, no, don't resent your... Yeah, don't resent your spouse for the work that they do because a lot of times, especially at the beginning, they're just not going to be there. She's like, yep, I would... I would have all the kids dressed and ready for church and my husband would come home and he'd be like, nope, I had a 36-hour shift, I'm going to bed. She's like, well, I guess I'm going to take the kids to church on my own. That kind of thing where... And I can see how over time there's definitely a temptation to be resentful. I mean, because I'm home on break and I'm not going to try to present myself as some kind of expert on homemaking or doing all the, the, the stuff to help raise the kid that Karen's doing day in and day out. But it is hard. <laughs> and I can imagine having your spouse come home. They're having, again, adult, the adult conversations. They're having the adult interactions. And perception might be that they're having a lot of fun. And you're there help, you know, raising the kid. And kids are fun, but there's also a lot of work involved in that. And I can see how maybe a little bit of resentment might creep in a little bit. That, hey, I'm doing all this hard work. And you're just coming home and falling asleep. Yeah. And she said... After 36 hours, just expect them to sleep for at least 12, and then you can hack your spouse back. So <laughs> it's going to be about two days, 48 hours <laughs> of not, not having your spouse, and just, just plan on it. But that's for residency, and she said it would get better once you become a doctor. So a full-blown doctor, right? Yeah, once you get past <laughs> all that residency nonsense. 
Yeah. She also, uh, some other advice was don't doctor family. You just have have them explain that what their doctor said. That one's harder than you think. Oh, it's so hard. Because we're already getting questions. And I, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but Eric's already getting qu- questions. The, with the pandemic being what it is, if you're a medical student and you haven't had a family member ask you about the vaccine, ask you about the virus, I, I, I would be surprised if you haven't had a family member ask you or at least bring it up in conversation to see what you think about it. Now and then I'll get like something sent to me and it's like, you should probably talk to your doctor about this. Like... I'm a, I'm, a, I, I'm doing the general sciences. Like, I have a rudimentary understanding, and it's probably not helpful. Yeah. So the advice was just listen to what the person has to say, and then say, what your doctor says sounds reasonable, and if you don't, if you don't like it, I suggest you get a second opinion, but as, as somebody closely related, I don't think that that second opinion should be mine. And just kind of go on your way. <laughs> She's like, it will save you so much trouble just doing that. So, I don't know. I thought it was incredibly useful to just kind of pick somebody else's brain that had gone through it. I mean, they, they're they retired now. So, I mean, their experiences have come and gone, but it's not any less worthwhile to listen to. And they had some good advice, like just disability insurance, advanced directives, POAs, wills, all that fun stuff that we think that we're young and invincible, so we... Yeah, when you're in your twenties, you don't really think that you're going to need a will. You don't think you need a dis- any sort of disability insurance. I mean, you're twenty-something years old. Why would you need to be dis? You know, why would you ever be disabled? But obviously, that does happen, and it's good to be prepared, especially when you're racking on hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical school debt and life insurance get life insurance. So, I mean, we have tried, so since we're going along this route, we have tried to pick and choose what we invest our time in. And it is an investment because we have to pay for babysitting. Kind of as an example, we had to get together this last Thursday. We had an alumni student meetup. So what we're choosing to go to is kind of something that would either help us professionally or help us grow together as a couple and then also help professionally. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it is discerning with your limited amount of time and maybe some sacrifices that you might have to make as a family to add this extracurricular activity on. Gotta pick which ones are going to make the biggest impact because we're not single, we're not, we have kids, so we can't just do everything. We can't go to every outing, we can't go to every social event. And you should look maybe look at social events as a, a possibly networking opportunity. I don't, I, it sounds so dirty sometimes, like networking, where you, it's like, you go to a, in this case, like we, we went to the alumni thing, and it does sound really dirty where you, go to this event and you rub elbows with attendings and residents of in the in the local area and they're all you know trinity alumni it, it it doesn't sound like a lot of fun because you it's it's they obviously the resident knows that you're there to try to impress them and get them to recommend you or <laughs> to get it in and they're get they're there for food I mean, <laughs> they get free food and maybe a drink. And, but it's hard to not see a value. I, we mentioned last week with medical school, and especially with Step going to a pass-fail in January, that really the relationships you have with your alumni or with students who have gone before you can be helpful. And again, especially in a Caribbean school, having those relationships that could help you get an elective rotation at their hospital that maybe they can put in a good word for you with the uh, program director so that you can get a residency spot because I mean that's all, that's all kind of all we're going for you can 
we can all get our MD degrees, but we, we're not doing anything unless we get that residency spot. Right. Well, and you, you go to meet these people, you talk them up, you get some questions answered, but you know, turnabout's fair play in about five, ten years. We're, we'll probably be doing the same, not me, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> Eric will be doing the same thing where he, he's, go he's going to get used, quote unquote, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the guy who gets to answer questions from medical students and get to put faces with names and hopefully help previous, you know, other Trinity students along the, their career path so they can get spots into residency programs. And again, it, it doesn't feel great. I mean, networking, just for the sake of networking, hasn't been a high high blight of my life and it's not something I particularly love doing. We're not very outgoing people. No. We're, we're great with people that we know and have known for a while but it... I like having good conversations with people and it's hard to have like a deep conversation or a value a meaningful one with somebody you just met and so a lot of times it kind of it boils down to and in this particular case I talked to I think internal medicine resident I think he was like a second year internal medicine resident really nice guy and he just kind of talked maybe it was third year I don't remember he, he's going into his third year next week oh, that's and right. he will be a proctor for internal med clerkships so there is a possibility that he might be a proctor for Eric if Eric is assigned to that hospital because I understand there, there's a couple different internal meds. Yeah, and, and he provides a little bit of insight on you know how you feel when you first start and how you feel now. And uh, I didn't get the sense. I, I was kind of hoping he would give me the sense. It was like you feel like you're overwhelmed in the beginning and it gets easier. And really all he kind of said was, in the beginning, you can see about maybe, and this is like rough estimates, it wasn't like an actual, like, so you can do like 10 units worth of work, and and that seems like a, a lot. By your second year, you can do like 40 units of work in the same amount of time. So instead of making it sound like, hey, it gets easier, you can you knock that stuff out, no problem. It's like, your workload just gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, the, the phrase our firm professor likes to, to say is, the reward for hard work is more hard work. So that was one of the guys we chatted, chatted with. And again, it's good to have that perspective. It's good to be realistic about what's, what's happening when you get into residency. Uh, the other guy I talked to was a third year resident um, in a surgical resident. And it was some good information from it. It was a, like a general surgery residency, but the hospital he works out at provides basically all the surgical uh, trauma surgery for basically middle Georgia almost all the way down south to Florida so they would fly and you know stab wounds gunshot wounds and whatnot all into this one area which is really funny because uh, the way our school was before this term it was a lot of students had the option to go to Baltimore and a good number of students chose to go to Baltimore because hey Baltimore is a giant city and a giant city means you get to see a whole lot of things <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, where we, where we live now and where that surgical resident works is not too far from where, where we're doing our clerkships. If they're flying gunshot wounds all the way from Florida to this one little hospital, we're probably going to see a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, it is kind of funny that as a resident or in a clerkship or whatnot, you're wanting, like, you are wanting to see these horrific things. I, I wouldn't say I would want to see a stab, someone getting someone stabbed in the chest or anything like no, that. No, but the experiences have value, and so it's always funny to talk to talk to students, and that and that's something that 
like they want these experiences because they have value and they will make you a better doctor. Well, but, this, this, but it's just a, the opposite way of looking at things. Well, like, it's not that the, you want somebody to be injured or hor- horribly I mean, maimed or whatnot, but at the same time, the experience is, is good and will make you a better doctor. When one of the, one of the students, uh, as she was leaving, um, we know her because her daughter babysits our children, but she was all excited because she helped out in surgery. She's doing her surgical rotation, and she got to do basically almost all of the amputation of a toe, which, I mean, toe amputation, probably not. If you're a podiatrist or an orthopedic surgeon, it's like, you know, what you do every other day, it's not a big deal, but... She was very excited. And, of course, the average person probably isn't going to be excited to cut off a toe. Whereas medical students who find surgery interesting would be very excited about having that opportunity to basically do start to, you know, open excision to almost closure of uh, amputation. And, again, it's a toe. It's not like... She's not having to dissect the femoral artery out and make sure the whole lower limb doesn't go gangrious. But it's... Again, very exciting, and as medical students, you want to have that experience. So there's other things, again, as as parents, as medical students, having to figure out valuable what, what's va- what's a valuable use of our time, and so kind of keeping in mind that we have to kind of talk about resumes essentially, because as much as like this meet and greet was. I think a valuable use of our time enough that we spent money to get a babysitter and so we can both go and meet some of these residents and alumni there's going to be times where you need to do a case report a research project anything like that that you could you can do to show that you have some sort of academic aptitude that residency programs want to see and then there's community re- uh, volunteering and whatnot like uh the school and i missed out on this opportunity i i, I attended one of I think four sessions with this middle Georgia medical reserve for, and they had, I think the last two events that I wasn't able to make because of step, they had like a big disaster relief demonstration where they, a practice where they had, I think they, they blew up a flashbang grenade to just to startle people. And then they had cars flipped over on their side. They, had they brought a helicopter in with, Black Hawk helicopters. with patients that were all done up in makeup. And they had, yeah, makeup and makeup artists and patients. And, and then they had, they trained you the day before. So on a Friday, they trained, they went through a training on how to do triage and kind of got you assigned to a position and what kind of role you would play in disaster relief. And it's one of those unique things. I think Georgia is probably a little bit more unique and they actually have a statewide medical corps, medical reserve corps that will respond to major disasters and being a, a state that regularly gets tornadoes, <laughs> occasionally a hurricane, that seems to be a pretty practical policy or practical thing to have around. And as medical students, we have an opportunity to participate in that, be part of the medical corps. And so I, I, I feel bad I missed that opportunity this year. That would be something definitely, I think, worth the the sacrifice and time to be a part of. Yeah, it's you'll probably do it next year. It was the day after step, and you're just too tired. Yeah, and it's it's again on 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 the CV. It, it's good to do because you're a medical student in the community, and it's good to give back to the community that you're involved in. The community is supporting you in one way or another. And then of course on your CV, it shows the residency directors that you're not just going to move there. Do put in your hours at the hospital and then not give back to the community. The residency director might see it as you invest. You invest in the community that you live in. You give back to the community that you live in. 
And that's just one extra, also another extra talking point that you can possibly discuss during your interview that might might make it you a little bit more interesting in the next uh, medical students coming along. So we tend to kind of shy away from just the more social. I mean, the meet and greet was probably the most social that we've done. We're not extroverts by any means. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and we did kind of view it as a date night. I mean, because you have to take them where you I get them. I owe you a better date night than that. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, but... <laughs> we had a third wheel for <laughs> the ride there and back, and I don't know if that's a... Well, you take you take what you can get when you can get it, right? That's what she said. <laughs> I think we've done fairly well with what we have chosen to do so far. And we'll see as time comes along, like what opportunities we're given and what we choose to do. But I think in general, something that's going to either look good on a CV or something that will help us out professionally later later down the road we will do or eric will do depending on on what it is and that's all stuff you have to, to weigh and consider and yet you maybe add that into your equation if you do budgets and again we'll talk about budgets some other day but something you'd want to weigh in and consider consider adding uh, and again it, it sometimes it doesn't feel it, again it doesn't feel good to do a lot of things because you want to add it to your resume or your CV. Uh, again, like medical school applications. It doesn't feel good to just volunteer so that you can put it on your resume. You, you really want to volunteer because it's the right thing to do or it's the thing that you want to do. And it just so happens that you can put it on your, your application. But again, it's, it's and to some degree, it's, it is just the system that we are working in that they want to see community service, they want to see research, and so you just got to do it. And hopefully it's meaningful. Hopefully you find that giving back to the community is just as beneficial to you, not just because it's, it's something you can put on your resume, but it's, it's giving back and that's, that's a, valuable, just a valuable thing to be doing to your community, uh, for your community. Yeah, I mean, that, that was essentially kind of our, we kind of combined a little bit of what we did this week and what we experienced kind of along the journey of medicine. I mean, if I wanted to, I guess, pull a little bit more of our journey of medicine, I would say like on the island, there were a few clubs that the school had that would go out to Kingstown and do blood pressure, free, you know, free blood pressure readings for people in Kingstown. Anyone who's walking by on that Saturday afternoon could get a blood pressure reading. It's a way for the student to practice their blood pressure skills, as well as possibly catch somebody who might have high blood pressure in a way to get them maybe towards treatment or lifestyle changes that will help them in the long run. I know that there's some, it's somewhat controversial. I remember one of our professors talking about a different school on the, that particular island had done diabetic screenings at some of the, the government schools. And while that, I think it sounds pretty good, uh, one of the complaints was is that you had a bunch of medical students come along, they, they do their hemoglobin A1Cs, blood sugar levels, and declare a student is diabetic and then it's a poor, poor island that can't afford a lot. And so they basically kind of, you, you fly in, you drop this huge bomb on a family and say, you're diabetic and you need to have probably lifestyle changes, insulin, blah, 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 and diet. And then you, you leave. And then now it's up to the family to figure out this huge financial burden. This is, it's a, I think it's controversial, maybe for obvious reasons. Well, if you don't screen it, you'll find out when they have a ketogenic shock or os osmotic shock, and that's not good. You, they could die, uh, <laughs> whereas at least screening it and finding it, even if they are poor, they have at least an opportunity to change diet and lifestyle. Uh, sorry, getting back to the main point there. The school has all these clubs that you can 
take part in. And we took part in some of the activities at these clubs, not all of them. That really got cut short because COVID. COVID. And so, I mean, there was only a couple terms where that was actually in effect, really, because most of the students left the island. (laughs) So there was really nobody in the club, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of non-existent for a little bit there. Yeah, the rest of our week, so we went to the meet and greet, but the rest of our week, we've just been working on projects around the house. We Learning how to relax. Yeah, Eric's a bad relaxer. He's never going to retire. Um, and when he retires, he'll find something else to do. But he's done yard work. He's refurbished a chest for me. <laughs> he has plans to refurbish our lovely, not so frame. lovely bed frame. We, we are adults, so we have a bed frame for our mattress. It doesn't just sit on the floor. It sits on a bed frame. Except for it's going to sit on the floor when he takes it all apart to sand it down and restain it. <laughs> strip it, so, strip, sand it, stain it. That's going to be fun. We've been trying to get a couple workouts in because as much as you sell yourself by your step score and your CV and your personal statement, people also look at how you look. So we're yeah. trying to get that into, beat that into submission. I don't know how well that's going to work, but... Yeah, that was eh, my, it's an attempt. My doctor during the physical kind of mentioned as well. It was not really the sell yourself, but it was a, you should eat more antioxidants. Definitely lower your carbohydrate intakes. But I love pasta and pasta cheese. Pasta is so good. And <laughs> cheese is so good. But yeah, I mean, as, as Karen mentioned, that we are going to have an Instagram. And so we'll, we'll definitely have experiences where you'll probably see that I'm a face for radio. And I'm, I am working on it. I am trying to do the exercises, trying to eat a little bit better so that A, clothes will fit better and B, I, my patients will actually take me seriously when they hear some advice about how to, ha- how to live healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on what kind of doctor you are. <laughs> uh, what kind of doctor you even, end up being. Even still, most, most people want the doctors to, I mean, I think there's some people who don't care what the doctors look like and there's some people who might feel like it's hypocritical for a doctor who's overweight to tell them that they should be cutting down on their carbs and eating healthy and exercising every day. And they're like, yeah, sure. It's working good for you, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's better to get, get, it, get those habits going now as opposed to when I'm older and it's harder to move around. Other things we did this week, we did soccer again. Took the kids to the splash pad. Oh yeah, they, they really enjoy, that's what, one thing that Georgia, I think I really appreciate about Georgia is they have a good number of splash pads and pretty easy distance. 10 o'clock in the morning, these things are going and it's already like 80, 90 degrees by that point and the kids are loving it. I get the occasional spray and mist from the water because I'm not going to go into the super cold water. And I actually, I really, the kids really enjoy it because they get to run around and they actually get to meet other kids their age and they get tired out, which was actually really good on Thursday when we had the babysitter because we didn't want the kids to be wound up. They don't like going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So we tried to put them to bed before our babysitter got there, which was about an hour early, but... We managed it. We yeah. tired them two hours at the splash pad. Wanted, wanted to get Golden. the babysitter like the easiest job in the world. And, and in our mind, that was get that kids in bed. And all you have to do is make sure they don't die. Like, <laughs> you don't have to play with them. They should be in bed. If they scream, maybe go and check and make sure that they're, you know, they don't have a dirty diaper or something like that. She did a good job. They, they were all alive when we got home. <laughs> you say that like she has no experience our, our babysitter no, has probably more certifications than i do um to watch my kids <laughs> so 
<laughs> I think being a mother might be a pretty good certification. Right. But I don't, I mean, I had like child CPR and all that stuff like ages ago. I don't know if I could actually do that if I needed to at the moment. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of about covers our week. Uh, again, we're, we're trying to edit these podcasts a little bit to make them flow a little bit better, get rid of some of our obvious, unprofessional, inexperienced bits and pieces so that it's a little bit more palatable to the audience. But I think, I guess, before we kind of wrap it up and say goodnight for today, uh, how, how, say, it, how do people... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, happy Father's Day to all you fathers, oh, fathers yeah. out there. We are recording this on Father's Day. Yeah. So, happy belated Father's Day. I hope you enjoyed your day. And like I said earlier, we're going to try and get that uh, Instagram up, FamilyMedMD. Is it a space in nope. any of that? Just all one nope. word? all one word. Karen, Karen's running the social media stuff, so she'll... I'll I'm attempt. Not, I'll attempt. So, I also have four kids, so we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so any interaction will go to that, and it's... It's our kind of public-facing social media. I think you have a private one, but just I do. Just I because just the internet's full of weirdos and people who are kind of strange. We don't. We don't. We our kids are, are innocent, and we want to kind of keep them that way for as long as possible. And you, you'll see the front-facing Med Family MD. Med Family MD. And that that would be our our, our front-facing Instagram account, so you can. Comment, ask questions, follow us on that. Of course, you can follow us on any of the podcast streams that you like. And if for some reason we are not on one, you can let us know on the Instagram and I Karen will let me know and I will try to figure it out. I have weeks off, so I guess I can I can figure that out. And <laughs> yeah, if you want to rate us on like iTunes, we of course would appreciate any ratings. Helps us kind of spread our reach. And hopefully this is an encouraging message for any any family out there, any person who's thinking about pursuing medicine. It really Medicine should not be excluded. It should not be a too far off goal for somebody if they have a family because I think it provides definitely insight into patient care, into practice of medicine when you have a family and you have very unique experiences that some no no it's not meant to be a drag on these 24, 25 year old students who are all very smart, but they haven't had kids and they don't they don't have some of the the experiences that come with being married and having kids. And I, I definitely I want this podcast to be a kind of an expression that it's possible. It's something that you shouldn't preclude yourself from doing. It's not easy. It's not going to be super simple, but hopefully just a message of hope and encouragement. Anyway, follow us on find us on Instagram and have a good rest of your week.